Welcome to Longview Baptist Church. Where will you spend your eternity? This is a question that does have an answer, even if you don't know what it is. I am Pastor John. This ministry is designed to prepare you for that day we will all face, our last. Join us as we find an answer to the tough questions. And remember, you cannot truly live until you're truly ready to die. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. I know we say that a lot of times on cloudy days, but hey, rejoice in all of them. The beautiful, the cloudy, and be so thankful that's indicative of life when we have the storms of life that come through, sometimes the very strong storms, very dark nights at times. If you've ever had a major pain, like serious physical pain, you know what I mean when I say the nights can be extremely long. There's nothing worse than, let's say, an abscess tooth or a physical or emotional battle that you're going through at night. There is something about night that ends up uh, very slowly ticking by. But those times can seem so tough. But the, we have the promise that God, not only does he never leave us, never forsake us, but he hears our prayer. But not only does he hear our prayer, he answers our prayer. And the biggest thing we've got to make sure is that we're praying in accordance with his will. What is praying in accordance with God's will? We know, number one, what matters to God more than anything people do. So if you're praying for someone to come to Christ or God to reach down to the deepest of recesses and someone who is very hard-hearted or whatever it might be, we know that when we're praying that they come to know Christ as Lord and Savior, we know we're praying in accordance with God's will. So that's encouraging because we know he's going he's gonna to answer that. The other promise we have from God is that he will meet all of our needs. So when we're praying and we get all nervous and stressed out because we think that it's not going to work out, well, there's a faith problem right there. And one of the worst ways in the world to have your faith tested is when you are nervous because you think God isn't going to do his job and God has to teach you that he will, but he has to take you a little longer on your stress to teach you that, no, you're going to destroy yourself in doing that. The Bible says, come to me all you are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. So as the scripture talks about, I'm kind of paraphrasing it, but you know, the lilies of the valley, look how he clothes them. Look at the birds of the air. Are you not more important than that? Amen? So God's promise to do what he does, he doesn't need help with that. All you've got to do is trust him, do your part, and the rest of it's going to be a beautiful thing. So I want to encourage you in that this week. Uh, purposely choose to live a life of gratitude, an attitude of gratitude. When you live and look at everything and you, you begin to just thank God for those things you see, instead of doing what the enemy wants you to do, and that's the focus on what's not right, what isn't working, what isn't, then you can end up, if you get caught in that trap, you end up being apathetic, indifferent, unconcerned, because what happens is you allow that mindset to take over everything. Have the, the glass half full mindset. It's not half empty, it's half full. Look at the beautiful picture of what's happening here. You know what? If he can turn the loaves and fishes to feed thousands, I can assure you that the little momentary troubles, trials, tribulations that we think are Mount uh, St. Helens or whatever else or Mount Everest, it is not what we think it is. God can do anything. He spoke this ex nihilo out of nothing into existence, and he can deal with whatever it is that we're battling this morning. I am thankful this morning for Memorial Day. A lot of times I've been at churches where they... I don't know how, but they somehow get Memorial Day and Veterans Day mixed up. Today is a day that we remember. This weekend is a weekend that we reflect on those who've laid their lives down in the service of this nation. And I'm so thankful for those who've done that. I, we lost an uncle. One of my uh, great uncles uh, was shot down in North Korea during that war. I'm so thankful for those. And many of you have had family members throughout the lineage of your family who have lost loved ones in the service of the nation. And we're very thankful for that. We're thankful for that because we recognize that apart from the ones that laid down their lives and served in the nation's armed forces and fought for the freedoms that we have, we would not be able to do what we're doing this morning. There's places all over the globe today that they would love to be able to celebrate the salvation through Jesus Christ. But in those nations, I'm actually going to share with you on one of them in a little bit in this message. There's nations right now where they will kill you for doing that. They will torment you, torture you, they will put you in prison along with your family members for merely doing what we're doing today. So I'm so thankful today as we reflect this weekend on those who've laid their lives down in the service of this nation. I thank the, the Lord for them. 
I pray comfort on their families. I know uh, with my, my great uncle's son, he still to this day puts stuff up uh, quite often about his dad and pictures of his dad. Uh, so I know even all of these years later, that is a heartache and a heartbreak for children who were young or maybe parents who'd never, or, you know, were pregnant at that time or the children were too young to know their parents. That is still a heartbreak and a heartache for those family members because that's someone that you loved and that was willing to sacrifice their life to protect those freedoms that we have. Visitors, it's an honor to have you with us today. Thank God for you. Thank God for this body of Christ. I know there's a lot of people traveling this weekend. Do, do a lot, a, a little thing we can do, which is a lot. Pray for safety for the people that are traveling this weekend. I know a lot of families get together and a lot of people are, are involved in outings and things. Just pray for safety for them. It is an awesome blessing to be able to get together and, and to fellowship, but there's also a lot of dangers on the road today. Uh, distracted driving, you know, people under the influence and things. So just pray for safety among our brothers and sisters in Christ that God would supernaturally with protective angels uh, guard them, guard their hearts or minds. Uh, God would guard our children from things they might see. You know, there's a lot of things that we can pray for. We've just got to be willing to do it. Amen? Prayer is not a difficult thing to do. It will actually keep you from focusing on things that you shouldn't be focused on, things that might be trying to cause you to worry, stress, things that might cause you to be disheartened. Just pray. Pray without ceasing. It, hey, if you're un, not understanding why God would allow whatever, or God, you know, you, you don't understand why God's allowed you to go through this valley right now. Hey, God, I don't understand this right now. Just teach me to understand what your will and desire is in this. Give me a comfort and a strength to accept your will. There's a lot of things that we can do in prayer. Amen? But what we do is we solidify the ability for our brain not to go in places that it doesn't need to go. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 15. We're going to look at verses 18 through 21 of a message. We'll be back in the Acts study, Lord willing, next Sunday. But uh, this morning we're going to... Uh, we're going to talk about the freedoms that we have as a nation. We're going to share what God laid on my, my heart today of a message titled, In Memory of Those. And in memory of those goes to the extent of, in memory of those who served, in memory of those who laid their life down. And it's, again, it's such a blessing to be able to take part in the gift of what others have paid the ultimate price to give us. You know, we don't even think back. It's so easy for us to forget about those that lost their lives in uh, the Revolutionary War, World War. There is a lot of people throughout history who have laid down their lives. And we think about now, you know, at any point it's not going to be exciting to get uh, killed in action or wounded in action that ultimately leads to your death. But you can't even imagine the barbaric circumstances with which the Revolutionary, uh, the Civil War was fought in. If you look at the armament that they used back then, if you look at how they fought, I cannot imagine the terror that would have been in some of the hearts of those people as you, you know, at one point in history, they're lining up in rows, right? They're just lining up in rows. You kneel down and, and fire at each other from whatever distance it was. It's not a matter of if, but I mean, it's, it's just a matter of when. It's not gonna be good. And when one of those round musket balls hits you, if you think that a round from the day does damage, one of those hitting your bone, it would shatter bone. And back then, you don't think about, they didn't have propofol. They didn't have um, morphine back then. They didn't get you to the local trauma center and induce uh, this high-tech treatment that we had and under the premise of the golden hour when the helicopter flew you. No. They were out there on a battlefield and gangrene many times would set in. They didn't have the antiseptic and all of those things that we have the blessing of having. So I'm so thankful for those because I cannot imagine what it would have been like to sign up, uh, to, to show up, to serve. And many of those people were young teenagers that served during those periods in history. So I'm very thankful, very, very thankful for those men and women who laid down their lives in the service of this nation. But as I pondered what God would have me share you know, I think about freedom a lot. I really do. I, I think about it a lot, especially in perspective of today, where you see things kind of slowly, freedoms being rolled back, scaled back. When you watch this incremental loss of things at times and the court battles over these things and how politics is just so, you know, you watch a, a, a globe now that is, it just seems as though it's hell bent on 
doing exactly what the Bible says, right? And though it's not being instructed in a sense, it's being ordained by God, but it's following the blueprint that we see in God's word. What do we know about the scripture? You know, I remember in the 80s thinking, how are they gonna have one world currency? You know, you, you reach in your wallet and you grab a dollar out. Well, there's nations around this world that are disdain the American dollar. We're not, hey, anybody think that you can have a one world currency now? What about one world government and all the things scripture talked about? What about when we look at scripture when it talks about end time prophecy and it says that you won't be able to eat or buy. You won't be able to sell unless you have the, the mark of the beast. Now, many years uh, in, in our past, we, uh, we had this thought that it was going to be, you know, 666 tattooed on your hand or for, oh, I won't ever do that. I think it's going to be much more subtle than that. But I, I say that to say the things that are happening doesn't need to scare you, make you uneasy. And why is that? Because we're followers of Christ. And greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. This is something that should not scare us because it's been prophesied in Scripture. Since it's been prophesied in Scripture, instead of going, I can't believe this is happening, say, thank you, Jesus, it's your prophetic words of Scripture are being fulfilled. God, give me ears to hear, eyes to see, the heart to be obedient, to do what you've called, created, and commanded me to do until the day that you take me home. Whether that's in the rapture, some people believe a pre-trib rapture, it doesn't matter what your dispensation is on, I don't care. What I care about is when it happens, we're all going to find out at the same time. Amen? And if the Lord doesn't come back, send Christ back for a thousand years. To God be the glory. Let's prepare and share the good news until we leave. Let's faithfully entrust the baton to our children, not fall up uh, into the mindset of Europe, which is so sadly gone so godless now. I pray that by God's grace, we will not fall weary in doing good, but we'll reap a harvest in due time as we're not giving up. We will pass on something that at the subsequent generations, as I said 16 years ago when I came in here, one of the very first messages I preached, to those may remember this, I said, I can see houses all around this church. I see houses all out in those fields. I said, church, we just have to prepare because I know it's coming. And I know probably some of the people that had voted for me to be the pastor here probably said, this dude's lost his mind. We done got somebody who's a little afflicted upstairs. There's no way in the world that there's going to be houses around little old Longview Baptist Church. Amen? Exactly. You know what? That wasn't just a thought that I had. I just recognized that I could see the patterns and things that were happening. And I realized we don't have a lot of years, church, before I promise you there will be houses all around this church and all around this premises. What God's doing, we've had to go out in a sense to our mission field, right? God's bringing the mission field to us. It doesn't get any better than that, does it? I can see a time in the future when we're able to have during the week vacation Bible school for the stay-at-home moms that are in this close community. Can you imagine how awesome it'd be to have, it was in my day called a backyard BBS or back backyard Bible school. What exciting things that God's setting the stage for and that's why I say we'll continue to live like that in preparation for God expanding the kingdom all over, all around us. We're going to continue to set the stage to share Jesus with those little ones, those moms, those dads that are moving in from all different places in our community down where we're at in Richmond. Hey, we're getting people from California, people from all out west, up north and south and everywhere in between. So God's doing a lot of things right now with people moving. And a lot of those people that I've met have biblical or spiritual backgrounds to them. So whatever God's doing, it's going to be all right. Amen? We'll prepare like we're going to be alive another thousand years, what we have to pass on. I know we will not be, but I know we will be alive because we will be in the presence of the Lord as followers of Christ, and there's no greater joy than to experience that. I hope that that's your heart and your thought this morning. If you found John chapter 15, we're going to look again at verses 18 through 21. And if you're able physically this morning, let's stand out of reverence for the reading of God's word. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. 
Remember the words I spoke to you, no servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. Father, thank you, Lord, this morning for the privilege of being here to worship you. Father, the privilege, God, to be in a nation, Lord, where we're able to, without fear and the threat of being arrested, put in prison, Lord, or worse, for doing what we do today. But God, we are mindful of all of those people all over the globe, just like us, that desire to love, honor, and glorify you, but they're in nations that they cannot do that. Father, as we reflect this Memorial Day weekend on all the ones that laid down their lives in the service of this nation, Father, I pray that we will realize that apart from you enabling them to do that or a gift of salvation that was worth protecting, Lord, we would have nothing today. God, we thank you so much for your faithfulness to us. Lord, we thank you that we have the promise of your word that it will not return void, but will accomplish what it was sent to accomplish. God, I pray that you would take the blinders off eyes, give ears to hear hearts with fertile soil, ready to hear the truth of the gospel, that all over the globe today, men, women, boys, and girls would come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. God, as we were able to see today in Rebecca's baptism, thank you that you're in the business, Lord, of redeeming lives, hearts, generations, Father. And may we be faithful in the part that we play in the kingdom building. May you alone be glorified this morning. Hide me behind the cross. Let your spirit speak as only you can. We ask this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. You know, I want to share a few things with you this morning. I've, I've watched a lot about North Korea and followed North Korea for, I guess, probably 20 years now, uh, closely watching with the regime and understanding it. Um, it's, always, it's always kind of fascinated me how people, you know, you think, especially at this day and time, how people can be so foolish is to fall into a system like that where they have no idea. But again, when you go to understand the nation and how reclused and how closed off it is and the fear with which is the catalyst that, that drives these people to be so faithful to the leadership, uh, I want to share with you a few things real quick. First, recorded missionary in North Korea entered and was a Roman Catholic who were, were, uh, arrived in 1785. Upon his arrival, the government prohibited the spread of Christianity, but the church continued to grow. From 1863 until the country opened to the West in 1881, the government carried out a violent program of persecuting these Christians. However, the tide turned in the 1880s when Protestant missionaries arrived. The capital of North Korea, Pyongyang, became known as the Jerusalem of the East. It was one-sixth of the population had converted to Christianity by this point. All of this changed after Kim Il-sung became president in 1948. If you remember, it was a coup that happened if you studied history. And he demanded the unending loyalty and devotion of himself and only him alone. Everyone was ordered to worship him, bow at his statue. Again, the North Koreans had lost the freedom to worship the one true God at this point. Anyone who disobeyed the new ruler was taken to prison camps where they suffered brutal torture, often death. Christians who refused to obey Kim Il-sung's decrees suffered unthinkable consequences. After his death in 1994, his son, Kim Jong-il, uh, then in 2011, Kim Jong-un took over, if you remember that, that's his son, uh, took over as the supreme leader, they call him. He shared that same lust for power that his father and his grandfather had persecuting Christians. They have a, a special defining trait that they do. Uh, they will literally, they're, they're, they will crucify, put them on a cross. They will, they just do terrible things to them. I won't go into detail, especially because the kids being here. But in 2002, a former Korean prisoner testified before the U.S. Senate. She said, the, shared the things that she had suffered, witnessed while in the North Korean death camps. The persecution and death she witnessed was for the crime of being a Christian and nothing else. The following account was her testimony in front of the hearing in 2002. The cast iron factory was considered the most difficult place to work in the entire prison. Christians were usually sent there to work. One day while I was carrying a work order to the cast iron factory in the male prison, I saw five or six elderly Christians that were lined up and being given a choice to deny their Christianity and accept the juchi, which is the ideology of the state. 
that Kim Jong-il is God or suffer the consequences. After the ultimatum was given, the selected prisoners were all remained silent as the repeated command to renounce their Christianity was, was said over and over again. The security officers got frustrated by their lack of response to that, and they killed each one singularly by pouring molten metal on them in front of one another and in front of the other prisoners. You know, I can't imagine how much, when you think about those kind of things, how one human being can do the things that human beings have done to others throughout history. And what's so comforting about it, though, is when you look at scriptures like Romans chapter 8, verse 35 through 37, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, hardship, persecution, uh, famine, nakedness, danger, sword, as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And then in Romans 38, 39, uh, height nor depth, angels, principalities, nothing in all of creation can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is the beauty of recognizing what strength these people have had who have had regimes and people throughout history. You know, you think about even in this nation, it's, that's terrible, but we also too in this nation have husbands and wives who will leave spouses because they're followers of Christ or threaten to leave and one will walk away from the faith because of that. I've seen that, I've experienced that before in ministry. One of those things we don't realize is when you're a follower of Christ, you realize you have nothing to go back to. I don't know if you're like myself, but what do I have to go back to? There is no hope. I know there is no hope apart from Christ. Uh, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to recognize that there is a, an, uh, an intelligent designer, you want to call it intelligent designer of God, who spun this into existence. This just doesn't happen by happenstance. And I know that looking at creation, you don't go out into the middle of a, a jungle or in the middle of the desert, unless you're out west in America where they store them, and find a 737 in the middle of the jungle and go, wow, look at this incredible feat of evolutionary genius. We wouldn't, would we? If you went out into the uh, jungle and you saw that, you would do the same thing I would do. How in the world did that get here? But yet, when you see the creative genius of God, all you've got to do is study the human body. Don't even study it from there down. Just study it from here up with the head and all that occurs in the head alone, the eyeballs, and how the incredible, intricate design of God. All that has to happen for me to stand here right now and walk and talk and all that occurs, we, it is staggering the creative genius that God has created and the beauty of his creation. And I'm so thankful for that. But when you think back though, at all that we're blessed with, and we have these ones in America who, there are people in America that are persecuted, yes, not to the level in some other nations yet. But listen right here. This is, the, this is what God has blessed us with and the ones that laid down their lives. Listen, the Revolutionary War, 4,435 4, 4, soldiers died in the Revolutionary War. The War of 1812, 2,260 laid down their lives. In the Mexican War, approximately 1,733. In the Civil War, ready? 140,414 approximately. Union forces died and 74,524 approximate Confederate forces. The Spanish-American War of 1898, approximately 385 were killed. In World War I, approximately 53,402. World War II, 291,557. The Korean War, 33,741. The Vietnam War, 47,424. And in the Persian Gulf, approximately 147. And of course, we know in the Iraq and Afghanistan wars, it's been well over 4,000. So uh, a minimum of potentially 654,000 plus have died so that you and I have the freedom to do what we're doing right now. I would say it's probably much higher number. Those are men and women that defended the freedom, paid the ultimate price so that we can celebrate the freedom in memory of them this weekend, we have this time to reflect. 
I don't know, but for whatever reason, it memorial is kind of a sacred thing to me, kind of a somber, really, when you think about that, because I, I don't care who you are, unless there's something wrong with you, the natural human tendency and propensity is not to just go, you know what, there's a war going on, I'm going to go sign up, and I know there's a real high possibility that I'm going to die, and I'm just going to embrace it. No, maybe if you've got chronic depression or you've got physical infirmity, maybe that's that. But the normal human condition does what? Has a desire to do what? Live. The human body has an innate desire to live. So I can't even imagine, especially back in revolutionary and all those wars that are so far back in history that it was barbarian. I can't imagine those that signed up and in, in many cases knew that most likely they were going to end up dying. I have such a respect, even today, for those in uniform, men and women in uniform, the same with our law enforcement. You know, every day you have that knowledge that that can be the ultimate price paid by you and your family are left to pick up the pieces because you care so much about the blessing of this nation, your communities that you want nothing more than to protect the freedoms that we have. I'm so thankful today that, first of all, Jesus Christ died, paid the price for us to give us a freedom worth fighting for. I'm thankful today that this nation was founded not as these uh, liberal elitists want you to say is what? It's for freedom from religion is the lie that they purport. Now, they say that. That is a lie. It's freedom of religion. It's freedom for us to come in here and to worship, not worried about the sanctioning of the state, the closing us down, the imprisoning us because we're not doing what we should be doing. I'm thankful today that all throughout the history of this nation, think about Plymouth, the, the, the colonies. Think about all the suffering, so many men, women. Why? Because what we do today was worth dying for. I can't fathom that, can you? We're able to go into our nice little houses, right? Let's just say you leave here today and you don't think two seconds about what I've said this morning. We have the freedom to do that. To go back to your house today and not care two iotas about Memorial Day or what it represents. And maybe as I've seen, there's a little thing, Waters World, if you've ever seen it, he'll go out to the pier many times out in California on a weekend like this and he'll say, hey, what's the, well, what does Memorial Day represent? You know, it's so horrible. Uh, it's cooking out and drinking. I mean, and, and asked, they're being serious because he's asking them a serious question. And, it, and it's even worse on July 4th because these people don't have any clue about history, the nation's history. They don't have a clue about what they're celebrating. And I'm thankful today, though, that we know the truth. What does it know the truth and the truth will set you free? And I'm thankful today that what we have to protect is the ability for us to come together. We can do it seven days a week. We could do it all day long, 24 hours a day. We can shout from the mountaintops that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. He's our King. He's our God. We can shout from the mountaintops that Christ Jesus died, paid a price, and we have the ability this morning to take part in that new covenant and begin the new life as a follower of Jesus Christ. We don't have to worry this morning about Rebecca getting baptized and the scripture says, remember back during Jesus' time, take up your cross and follow him. We don't have to worry that now that she has professed faith in Christ, she is now taking up a cross because why? It's gonna most likely cost you your life as that scripture was referenced for. We have the freedom to go out and trumpet from the mountaintops that I have come to faith in Jesus Christ and he saved me, he's delivered me, he's cleansed me, he's given me a hope and a future. I have the good news of the gospel that I want to share with you. We don't have to worry about hiding in, in little Bible studies that aren't announced until the last moment. So if you have someone who's a plant in your Bible study, it doesn't give them enough time to call the authorities and have them schedule coming out and breaking up this fellowship that you have. We don't have to worry about that. But I, I think it's important on a weekend like this as we reflect on those who've laid down their lives to recognize how amazing, how precious the gift that we have in this nation is. It is still, as Eddie said earlier, I echo those sentiments. We live on, in the greatest nation, 
still on the planet. Yes, there's a lot of things that are not good. There's a lot of thought patterns that are really disheartening and downright sickening. But there's a lot of awesome things. There's a lot of awesome people that love Jesus, that proclaim truth, that care about truth, that care about righteousness, that care about godliness. And I'm so thankful that I even know a lot of really awesome people that love Jesus, that are very honest about their battles with sin, their battle with temptation, realizing that it's by God's grace we've been saved through faith and they're repenting, they're growing, they're in God's word. I'm so thankful that we have a church body that so many of us wanna read God's word that I get to hear about excited adults that are excited about how as they began to read God's word, God began to, to reveal things in his word and about their life that they had never known. And, and it's so exciting because you expect that in little ones, right? But you don't expect that in sometimes 40, 50, 60 year old adults who are excited about what God's doing. It's almost like they've come to Christ all over again. You can't do that in those other nations. You can't pick up the phone because they tap the phones. They have these encrypted systems that they try to, everybody all right? <laughs> I don't know what that was, but it sounded scary, like it hurt. They have systems with which they have to encrypted communication so that they're not caught. Can you imagine that? See, I think about that stuff because the scripture actually calls us to pray for persecuted believers all over the globe. Well, I can't just... Pray for persecuted believers all over the world. I have to think about, God, what, what, would, what would bring them to that place where they're under such? And I think about these. I read stories about it. You know, the, the, mar the voice of the martyrs, very, very good way that you can find out what's happening right now. If you've not read either Jesus Freaks, I would read the Jesus Freaks one. There might be a newer one, which is uh, basically it's Fox's Book of Martyrs, but it's been brought up to date with the ones that have happened up till right now. If you've not read uh, Jesus Freaks, please read it. It will give you insight into what's happening up until right now, at this day and time, men and women, boys and girls all over the globe who've lost their lives for the gospel, for truth. They were not willing to renounce their faith in Jesus Christ, and they breathed their last breath under someone else's hand simply because they would not renounce that faith. That is one of the reasons when a Memorial Day is thought about with me it makes it so much more special. Those men and women didn't die in vain. They died for something that matters. It matters to me right now. And as I pray for others all over the globe who are being persecuted, I also pray that God would change the hearts of the dictators or the leadership structure with which they're in. And I pray, though, in accordance with God's will. Because you know where right now Christianity is exploding? In Iran in China. Isn't that ironic? In these nations that it, it is illegal or it has to be done in a certain way, if you're not doing it in accordance with the state's desire, they persecute you. Now, if you remember when I preached through Acts the last time, I equated Christianity with a little fire, okay? Think about in the embers of, in, in Acts, right? New New, new, new Christianity, right? New Ecclesia, new, the, the new covenant. It's like a little fire, right? Because it hasn't spread yet. And when they come and try to stomp it out, remember Saul on the road to Damascus. Saul was doing nothing more than trying to defend the old guard, which was wrong because the New Testament had come. The new covenant had come and abolished the old covenant, but yet many of the Jewish people rejected and that's why we have, thank the Lord, the door was open to the Gentiles. But I equate that Christianity in that time period as a small fire. People like Saul, the people who stoned the Sanhedrin, right? The, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, I attribute it to this. Anybody ever done that to a fire? It puts it out, doesn't it? No, it doesn't. It makes it spread. So the more you stomp on those embers and try to stomp it out, the more it spreads. So that's why I pray in those communist structures and those dictator structures for God's will to be done because the rapid expansion of the gospel and truth is occurring in places where it's illegal. What are we dealing with here? See, it's not something that we have to fight for here. 
It's something that you just can come. So what? Oh, my back's hurting. You know, my knee's hurting. I worked a little hard this week, Lord. You understand. We don't hold it sacred and precious. Many don't. I do. I'm thankful for it. Church, you remember me shouting this for somebody even apologized to me because I would say, listen, one of these days we're going to find out that this little assembly we do is going to be stopped and we aren't going to have this privilege and ability to come and worship. And somebody said to me, said I'd get in the car and say, why is that fear-mongering? There's no way in the world that that ever happened in this nation. You know when they came to me and apologized? Right after COVID happened? They said, God shook me to the core and immediately helped me understand how quickly something that we take so flippantly. So, you know, church is always going to be there. Be a thousand in churches. It closed. Well, we'll go to another one. You don't realize how quickly things can change. We need to hold sacred what this is and also the memory of those who laid down their lives. You realize those memories are held dear when you go out to the boardwalk or anywhere else and hold a microphone up to somebody and say, hey, what does Memorial Day mean? And they say, well, I don't know. It's about cookouts and having a good time. It's an extra day off from work. You know what that does? That's an affront to the memory of those ones that laid down their lives for this nation. That's why I want to encourage you, church, to be people that hold that sacred. You need to know what 4th of July is. It's not a time when they have discounts on whatever it is you're looking for, TVs or anything else for that matter. It is not a time to just hang out with your friends and get an extra day off work. These holidays have meaning and they matter. It is the blessing of God in establishing this nation and these subsequent things throughout this nation as on Veterans Day. We celebrate those who've served and gotten out of the military, whether they full, did the full service or did four years, whatever it is for that matter. We are thankful for the sacrifice because it takes men and women that are willing to sacrifice because anybody who's ever had anybody in the military, they can't take off if they want to. They are told, they are owned by, by Uncle Sam for those four, six, eight, ten, 10, or 20 years, whatever it is for that matter. They are basically the property of the U.S. government. Amen? That is what it is. But it is important because this nation still matters. The, the sacrifice that all of those men and women paid throughout history is still worth defending. The reason is without that ability from the armed forces to protect it, we lose this. And we need to pray that God would continue to raise up godly leadership in this nation that would recognize the importance of what this means and what we do this morning because I promise you, if you think, well, there's no way they'd ever forget what it costs to establish this. Oh, I promise you, don't deceive yourself. You continue in your home to stand firm and teach the foundational tenets of this nation's history, what it matters, and realizing that you go all the way up the chain, what matters most importantly is Jesus. Jesus Christ, death, burial, and resurrection. Listen to this. I'm going to share with you some statistics when, it talks, when we talk about Christians who laid down their lives. 171,000 Christians were killed in 2006 alone simply because they were Christians. Since 33 AD, ready for this one? Over 70 million. 21st century has been the most deadly time for Christians in this history of our world. John chapter 15, verse 19 again this morning. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Brothers and sisters, the world hates us because of Jesus Christ. That's why they don't want, in Jesus' name, at the end of your local high school uh, graduations or whatever, that's why they're trying to hit the ball field when they want to pray before a game. Oh, they don't have an issue with the prayer. There's only one issue they have. They've got an issue with the power part of prayer. We know what the power part of prayer is, don't we? It is in Jesus' name. Why is that fundamentally important? Because we have no ability to go boldly in the presence of the God of creation without Jesus Christ without his sacrifice. And we go there because 
His name is the name, and his name is the power and the ability, and what it represents is the atoning work being completed, the sacrifice being paid, which prevented us from entering God's presence in the Old Testament. Why could no one go before the throne of God? Why could they not walk into the Holy of Holies? Sin. There had to be a payment. There had to be atonement. And by the way, the, the animal sacrifices, was that a, would that completely pay for the sin when somebody sinned? No. That was a temporary satisfaction of the debt. That temporarily satisfied the wrath of God. There had to be a subject pay the ultimate price. And that's what Jesus did. Remember, conceived by the Holy Spirit, he bypassed the sin nature, which would have happened had he had an earthly father like we do. Our sin nature is passed on through the father's DNA, profound, con conceptually. When you realize why Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit, it's because there he did not have the earthly sin nature passed on to him because if he had, he would have been nothing but another man and there would have been no ability for us to be saved today because it had to be a sinless sacrifice. And interesting enough, when you look at the sin of Adam, in Adam, all sinned, right? Because you might go, well, Adam sinned, I didn't sin. In Adam, all sinned. And that's what's so profound also. In Christ, we are all made righteous. Those followers of Christ who place their faith and trust in Jesus, repent of their sin, and ask him to be the Savior and Lord of their life. That is a concept worth dying for. That, this morning, is why we celebrate, we have the memorial, we celebrate those lives of those men and women that, that saw what this nation stood for worth laying their life down. What an awesome privilege we have today to recognize them, to pray for those families of loved ones, just like my uh, third cousin or whatever he would be, and how I know for a fact it still breaks his heart that he did not have a father growing up. Uh, his father was my grandfather's brother, an amazing guy. He was a pilot, was shot down. He was going to uh, do a, a, a bombing, he was going to bomb a bridge. And one of the things I know now they're still praying for because they're still finding uh, remains of service members, and actually North Korea has turned a lot of those over over the years. So he's just been praying, the family has been, that they'll find that and finally be able to bring him home. But in the meantime, we know that's not his body, right? That's just the shell. But we know that there's going to be a reunion one day that is going to be make it all worthwhile, right? What is that? The memorials that we celebrate right now, the greatest memorial of all is that Jesus Christ, death, burial, and resurrection means life to us. Today, death has no hold on us as a follower of Jesus Christ. If you've come from death to life through that sacrifice on the cross, you are a person that one day when you're in a grave, you don't go, they're dead. No, they're alive. This place, I, I say this often when I'm in a cemetery doing a funeral. I will say this is a place of life with which you almost wonder because I've seen some people look over like this guy's lost his mind. It is a place of life. You know why? Because one day the resurrection of the body is going to happen. We know scripture says it. Do you believe it? I believe it. Bible says it. And if I didn't believe it, I'm going home and you'll never see me again. So I know it's real. And I know one day when I have gone and my soul has gone home to be with the Lord, that one day the body's going to be resurrected. And we're going to be given a body, by the way, that will not die. We're going to be given a body that feels perfectly. There's going to be no more tisms. There's going to be no more uh, uh, mongoloid. Uh, there's going to be no more of this brokenness that we deal with. There's going to be no more ADHD. Thank you, Jesus. I'll be able to have a conversation with somebody and stay on subject for once. Whatever you're battling right now, you've got bum knees, you're not going to have to worry about that anymore. You're not going to have to worry about that gout that you've got in your foot. You're not going to have to worry about all those itises that we have. Amen? Yes. We're going to have a body that's free from, the Bible says, the old order will have passed away and all things will be new. I'm excited about that. But I'm excited in the meantime to make sure that my children and every person that, that, that has a listening ear knows the sacrifice that was paid to establish the structure with which we reside under today.
I want to know not only, hey, you better continue to remember because those who forget the past are what? Doomed to repeat it. You hear nations right now that said the Holocaust, that was just a big story. It was a lie. It never happened. You know, nations say that. The same way that nations try to say that Israel's not a country and they're occupiers and brothers and sisters, once again, it boils down to this. The name of Jesus Christ. That's the issue. So my encouragement to you in this is to proclaim that name louder than ever before. This weekend, reflect on this glorious gift of freedom that we have. Take some time, and I mean this, to reflect on those lives of those people who laid down their lives and pray and thank the Lord. God, thank you for those men and women. God, thank you for Jesus who gave us the hope that ultimately beyond a shadow of a doubt is worth dying for. God, thank you for this nation that you established. Thank you, God, for all that you've blessed this nation with. Lord, let us be faithful. God, bring this nation to repentance. Turn the ship around. You know the story. You know what's going on, Father. And we just want what your will is and make sure you always pray that. Lord, not my will, but yours be done. God, we know that you're working out things in accordance, I would say, we're in Ezekiel 38 through 40, somewhere close to. God, I know that we're at the last seconds of history, and uh, so to speak, what that time frame represents. It doesn't matter. But Lord, I want to be faithful and I want to cross the finish line having been faithful with what you've gotten, what you've blessed me with and what you've given me. God, I don't want to stand there thinking, oh, I had so much more time. God, I, I, I'm sorry, I, I figured I had, I, I was going to wait until I got older. Live every day like it's your last day. We're not promised five more minutes. Live that time, be faithful with your family, spend that time with them. You want to go out there and work another 60 hours on top of the 40 you've already worked, so what? You can save up more and you can have a whole lot of this, that, or the other down the road. Don't do it. It's a trap. You know what it'll do? Take you farther than you want to go, cost you more than you want to pay, and what? Keep you longer than you want to stay. Don't fall into these traps. Because what they do is, see, he, the enemy can't take your salvation from you. But what can he do? And by the way, he's effective at doing it. He wants you to be ineffective. Because if you're a believer and you're on fire, but yet you're tied up with some foolish nonsense, then you become ineffective. And if you're ineffective, he has done exactly what he wanted you to do. And he will keep you in that place of ineffectiveness. What will he do? He'll send you, a pastor friend of mine said he called it the threes. There'll be three things. And he'll th send you three or more things, but it's always at least three. Because you'll never do any of the three effectively because you're trying to do each one of them. He said you have to do one at a time. Because if you don't do one at a time, what you'll do is you will do the, the least amount that you could have done in each one thinking you're trying to do the best thing, but you don't do one of them effectively at all. It's good wisdom. I've learned this. So you can only do so much in a day. You can only, when somebody calls you and you have two more people call you at the same time, you can't shorten this conversation and not do what you should have done because you want to get to the next one and try to no. know. You say, hey, I've got two more people that called. I've got to spend some time and I want you guys to know you're in line. It'll take me a little bit of time, but I don't want to get in a, a circus wheel or hamster wheel with you and end up missing being able to effectively help you with what you're doing. So I'm going to, you call those other people and say, hey, it might take me a little bit of time, but I want to do the right thing and I want to, I've got a, a little bit of time. Maybe I can refer you to somebody else, but, but realize it's a real phenomenon. And if you will look at it as I did when somebody shared me that, it was exactly what happens to us. Be very cognizant, just like the blueprints for life series that I mentioned last week or the week before. Every day, we have these choices to make. What is the number? Hey, God first, family, and everything goes in the flow structure. What did that series say? Somebody's going to get robbed every day. You've got to prioritize and say, God, what do you want me to focus on? What do I need to do to be effective today? God, I only want what you want. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 pops right in there. Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him. And what? He will direct your paths. Seek the Lord with all your heart in everything that you do. Set your focus, as Colossians 3, on the things above, not on the things of the earth. 
Be effective in your loving of brothers and sisters in Christ. Don't try to take on more than you can do. Don't use that as an excuse not to do anything. Use that as the excuse to effectively work through one at a time. Be, you want quality, not quantity. Amen? In your love and ministry to your brothers and sisters in Christ, you want quality. You want to give them something that's going to be effective when you're helping to counsel or encourage or somebody has a question for you. Don't rush through it. Don't try to give them an answer right then. If you, if you don't know what it is, take five minutes, step back and say, hey, let me find you an answer and I'll give you. Let me help you with that. Same way, doing what I'm sharing this morning about Memorial Day is going to do when you have an overt act of your will, you have to choose to do it. You're not going to have those conversations if you don't choose to, to have those conversations. The same way with your friends. Jesus just isn't going to come up if you don't make that a priority. Don't say, well, I'm just waiting for it to come up. You've got to be the one that, that makes it come up. Amen? You've got to have an overt act of your will and say, this matters so much that I know beyond a shadow of a doubt the next time I see so-and-so, we have to have that conversation. It matters. Just like Memorial Day. It matters. Have those conversations. Recognize the privilege of what we are as followers of Christ. Recognize the magnitude, the best that you can, of what it costs to enjoy what we have today and thank the Lord for those blessings. Let's pray. Father, thank you for joining us today. We pray that God's word has encouraged you. You feel like you've had fellowship and been at home with family. Today, if God has moved in your heart and today you would like to make him not only the savior, but the Lord of your life. First, it's important to know that we are sinners. We're born sinners. No one can bridge the gap that was separated when sin broke what God had created so beautifully. If today you know you're a sinner in need of a savior and you know that Jesus Christ was born, lived a sinless life and died on the cross to pay for your sin. Today, if you want to, you can trust him as your Lord and savior. It requires you to pray and in faith, ask him to save you, to forgive you of your sins, to cleanse you and you wanna live for him. I pray today, if you do that, that you will reach out to us. We would love to get you connected in a church body, a church home, wherever that might be, and get discipleship around you so you can grow in this new life that you found in Christ. Read God's word. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. God bless you.